Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.21 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 17th of June, 2021, and this is episode 440 of Bitcoin. And boy, there's some stupid shit going on today, man. Uh, We'll get into it. Charles Hoskinson is at it again, apparently, and scammers are in El Salvador already. God, the vultures travel fast. The vultures travel fast. Okay, let's just start with... El Salvador and the world's largest scammer who's telling them how to act. The World Bank is refusing to support El Salvador's Bitcoin integration over climate concerns. Oh, I don't remember El Salvador asking the World Bank for help integrating Bitcoin into their financial infrastructure. Do you? I don't. I don't remember President Bukele, you know, getting on the phone or, you know, sending out a tweet, you know, begging for help from the World Bank because apparently El Salvador is just too stupid to integrate something that you don't need to integrate. Bitcoin just is. You have the choice to use it or you don't. But it's not like you need a bank to help you do banking shit or the World Bank to help you do your country's banking shit when all you're really doing is just saying, hey, Bitcoin. So let's let's get into it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he did ask for help. But Thomas M. from BTC Times, maybe uh, maybe Thomas will, will tell us what happened here. The World Bank will not help El Salvador with its implementation of Bitcoin as legal tender. Quote, we are committed to helping El Salvador in numerous ways, including for currency transparency and regulatory processes, a spokesperson from the World Corrupt Bank is quoted as saying, according to a Reuters report. The comments come as the middle American country reportedly reached out to the institution to ask for support. Oh, maybe they did ask. I don't know. Quote, while the government did approach us for assistance on Bitcoin, this is not something the World Bank can support given the in, the environmental and transparency shortcomings, the spokesperson said. The World Bank is an international fraudulent... Inst- oh, I'm sorry, I spelled financial wrong. International financial institution that provides loans to low- and middle-income countries. As its mission, it states the pursuit of quote, sustainable solutions that reduce poverty and build shared prosperity in developing countries, end quote. And that's bullshit and you know it. The argument of Bitcoin's climate impact, while highly disputed, is a persistent one that has gained steam in recent months. Yet the World Bank itself has come under fire from critics bringing up its own environmental shortcomings. In October of last year, German environmental lobby group Ergewald released research that found the World Bank has invested over $12 billion in fossil fuels since the Paris Agreement, despite its commitment to help developing countries reach the agreement's climate goals. The investments went into direct fossil fuel financing, technical assistance to push fossil fuel products, as well as the support and expansion of existing fossil fuel operations, with Ergowald stating that the World ba- or the WBG has at least $12.1 billion of public assistance working to make 38 countries more dependent upon fossil fuels, end quote. After calls for a clearer stance on fossil fuels from within the EU, the World Bank amended its climate policy, yet it didn't make any promises of halting fossil fuel financing. El Salvador is currently in the process of expanding the infrastructure needed to ensure the new Bitcoin law can be implemented on a national scale. This includes the development of a government-owned wallet 
which will allow merchants to convert Bitcoin to dollars if they prefer not to hold Bitcoin, as well as improvements to the local mobile and internet infrastructure if and how the World Bank re Bank's refusal to assist the country's efforts will affect its progress is unclear. While the World Bank has rejected El Salvador's approach, negotiations with the International Monetary Fund appear to be going better, as Salvadoran Finance Minister Alejandro Zelaya apparently said on Wednesday that the IMF was not against El Salvador's Bitcoin move. Yeah, they ain't against it yet, dude. But I guarantee... I, I, can't see them doing anything but coming out against it later. I am surprised that they are quote unquote not against it now though, because we are talking about the International Monetary Fund. So back to the World Bank issue. So they're, you know, making 38 countries more dependent on fossil fuels. So um I'm not sure why it is that and I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not bitching about mainstream media. I'm talking at this point I'm gonna talk about its effects. I guess we would call them the mainstream consumer of news. You know, the people that listen the most to mainstream media. How did? How is it that you just don't see the the corruption here? The the you know the obviously talking out of both sides of their head. How do you not see it? I because I don't get it. This is this is clearly them just saying one thing and doing another. And clearly getting away with all of it. I, you know, <clears throat> honestly, if if I had a um, if I had a way to smote these people down, I, I would. And maybe my new lightsaber will help. I, I picked it up from Frauds R Us. I, I was in Miami at this this Bitcoin conference there. I had a toilet paper roll thrown at me that had shitcoin written on it. Yeah, Charles, I love that guy. Okay. Neil Patrick Harris. If you don't know who he is, he was the child actor for, you know, that played Doogie Hauser. And I think that was like, geez, like late 80s, way early 90s, something like that. Played a doctor, but he was like a kid. He was like a teenager and he was all brilliant and shit like that. Really, you know, really uh, popular uh, television show clearly made Neil Patrick Harris very, very popular at the time. He hasn't been in a lot of stuff as of late, so you may not know who he is, but that's who he is. And why am I talking about him? Because he's a Bitcoiner, <clears throat> at least for the time being, because we all know how this shit goes. But this is thestreet.com, and it is Luke Conway writing it. Neil Patrick Harris was an early Bitcoin investor. You don't invest in Bitcoin, dude. You you buy Bitcoin or you don't buy Bitcoin. You hodl Bitcoin or you sell Bitcoin. I you know it, there is no investment here. This is just money. You don't invest in money. God. Coinflip, a leading Bitcoin ATM operator across the world, has announced a partnership with actor Neil Patrick Harris for its new advertising campaign. During an interview about the partnership, uh, Harris revealed that he has actually been a Bitcoin investor, no, that's called a Bitcoiner, for some time and said that he just wants people to know how accessible it is. Quote, I remember when I first heard about Bitcoin, like most people, I didn't fully understand it, but at the time, the price of Bitcoin was so low, I figured I could give it a shot without risking too much, said Harris. Harris added that his investment has multiplied in value and that he wants to let everyone know how easy it is to invest. Quote, now my investment has grown tremendously and multiplied in value. Even major corporations and traditional investors are all jumping on the bandwagon. My goal is to let everyone know how easy and accessible it is to invest in cryptocurrency. Ah, oh, God, there it is. And join the future of finance, end quote. CoinFlip's new ad campaign will focus on conveying the simplicity and ease of purchasing Bitcoin at its ATMs, and they actually use Bitcoin here. The campaign, called So Flip and Easy, will feature Harris presenting the ATM's ability to transfer cash into Bitcoin instantly. In the ad, Harris inserts cash into the ATM for a quick conversion to Bitcoin and says, Crypto is cool. Oh, that's a bad commercial, guys. I'm sorry, but it is. I haven't seen it, but I can tell by the by the script that it's terrible. Whatever. Harris also said that he believes crypto to be the future of how we shop and do business and that the coin flip partnership made sense due to his interest in fast and simple transactions. Quote, cryptocurrency is the future of how we shop, invest, and do business. 
but it can also be incredibly technical and intimidating. I prefer my transactions to be simple and to the point. It's why I joined forces with CoinFlip. Their ATMs make it so anyone can turn their cash into a significant investment opportunity with a great return, said Harris. CoinFlip's CEO, Ben Weiss, said the company set out on this ad campaign to demystify Bitcoin and show how simple it can actually be to get invested. Oh, God, it hurts. Quote, Cryptocurrency can be intimidating, and one of the things we set out to do with this campaign was to demystify it by showing how simple it is to buy Bitcoin. As a company, CoinFlip is committed to helping everyone have access to the benefits of Bitcoin. Oh yeah, buddy, oh yeah. So, Neil Patrick Harris, child actor, unlike Brock Pierce, child actor, is actually still in Bitcoin and seemingly on the side of Bitcoin, but you know, time will tell. Because it, it's almost, it's like 90% of the people I see get into Bitcoin, like turn into shit coiners and then get freaking wrecked like Mark Cuban. <laughs> Here it comes, people. Here it comes. Be careful with this. This is out of CryptoNews.com. Uh, Shade Fadil Pasek, I think that's how you pronounce his name, is writing this one for Crypto News. Iron Finance's algorithmic stablecoins warning hit Mark Cuban too. What are we talking about? Well, DeFi protocol. Yes, we're talking about DeFi. DeFi protocol, Iron Finance suffered a massive impact to their Titan token in what they described as a bank run. Or was that a rug pull? I don't know. And what many in the cryptoverse call a rug pull. There you go. Thank you. But inadvertently providing an important warning for algorithmic stablecoins with Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban finding himself among the victims too. Diddy, let's, let's read further. Iron Titanium token has suffered an almost 100% loss in one single day, going from its all-time high of $64 on June the 16th to almost $0 on June the 17th. Quote, almost means that the price reached a USD of 0.0000000049491. Quote, Dear community, please withdraw liquidity from all pools, said Iron Finance earlier today, promising to share a post-mortem as soon as we have a better understanding of this, quote, bank run. Per the initial post, USD coin collateral was available for redemption. According to the comments that followed, the request wasn't in regards to Titan, but Iron, a multi-chain, partially collateralized stablecoin available on Polygon and the Binance Smart, Smart Chain per the website. This collateral consists of two tokens, Titan and Polygon-based USDC, as well as Steel and Binance USD on BSC. In the second post, the team explained that since the price of Titan dropped to zero, the contract does not allow redemptions. 12 hours of time lock will need to pass before USDC redemptions are once again enabled. <laughs> at 7.50 UTC, iron is trading at 68 cents after it dropped 32% in the past day. Steel is also down 69% in a day, now changing hands at 56 cents. Uh, let's see, all of this suggests that algorithmic stablecoins, those that aim to maintain a stable price by automatically adapting the stablecoin supply to meet demand, uh, as gyroscope protocols Ari Clogs Munt wrote, come with risks of their own. In regards to Iron Finance, Clogs Munt, who is an applied math PhD student at Cornell University, argued that the Bank run is self-reinforcing with the price collapse of the Titan token that implicitly backs the algorithmic portion. Per Anderson Kill partner Preston Byrne, this incident has to do with the fact that all ALGO stablecoins are economically speaking total bullshit. ALGO stablecoins have been tried for years and years and they always blow up. Quote, I got hit. Okay, hold on for a second. I want you to be very, very particularly listening to what I'm about to say, because this is the Cuban quote that we're going to talk about here in a sec. Quote, I got hit like everyone else, Cuban confirmed in a tweet. Crazy part is I got out. 
thought they were increasing their total value locked enough, then bam, end quote. Earlier this week, he said that crypto businesses make more sense than you think and valuing tokens is easier. It makes more sense than you think. In a related blog post, Cuban also revealed that he placed some money in certain blockchain and DeFi projects, including Polygon. He then explained that he was a small liquidity provider for the decentralized exchange QuickSwap, providing two different tokens, DAI and, you guessed it, Titan. Quote, but the cool thing is, while I don't get any extra rewards for this pair, parentheses, you reading this Titan and QuickSwap? Question mark, question mark, question mark in parentheses. I am currently the only liquidity provider in this pool, so I get 100% of the fees. In every pool, the LPs get a percentage of the fees based on the percentage of the liquidity they provide, he wrote. Oh, good Lord. Uh, I'll just get on. I'm getting down here to the bottom. Okay, that's that's actually the, the bottom of it. There's a few tweets that they, that they add uh, talking about this whole crash, this whole iron finance crash, but I want to go back up to this sentence. I got hit like everyone else. Crazy part is I got out. What do you mean you got out? When did you get out? Did you get out at the tip top? Were you the rug puller, Mark Cuban? What do you mean by crazy part is I got out? Did you get out at the bottom? Did you get out while it was crashing? Were you right around the middle of the crash? Honestly, man, it looks to me and I don't know if this is actually going to turn out to be true, but right now, it kind of looks like Mark Cuban did the rug pull. And the only reason I'm going to say that he didn't is because I don't think Mark Cuban is smart enough to execute something like that. I really don't. I don't think Mark Cuban is that smart at all. Well, we're starting to find out that all, like a lot of the billionaires that, that we thought were all smart, turns out they were just either lucky or they were tapped by higher powers that don't give a shit about fiat money to be the billionaires that they are, i.e. Elon Musk. I'm literally looking right at you. So in, in a way, uh, it is the case that Mark Cuban did not heed the warning of tens of thousands of Bitcoiners that were telling him exactly what was going to happen in this game. And he went and did it anyway, and he got his ass handed to him unless he actually instigated the rug pull, which I've said before, I don't think the motherfucker's smart enough to do, but we'll, we need to move on. A video showing media bias around Bitcoin and black audiences prompts questions about culture. Peter Chihuahua is writing this for Bitcoin Magazine. And honestly, before we begin this, I, I wanna make a statement here. I didn't, this was not on my bingo card. It was not on my bingo card that I would, and it should have been, but this is like kind of, it just snuck up and, and surprised me that mainstream media so eloquently was able to drag Bitcoin into a legacy mainstream media narrative of bullshit. I, yes, I should not be surprised, but this was just, I mean, I, I'm just like sitting here going, really? So when are you going to have Bitcoin? I don't know. Put, a, put its knee in the back of some guy on a curb and kill him because he's trying to arrest him for over an hour and choking him. You know, when are, when is Bitcoin going to run into like some lower end, uh, you know, neighborhoods and, and light the neighborhood stores on fire and burn all the bodegas down because Bitcoin is rioting? You know, when is, you know, when is Bitcoin going to don its mask? No, I'm serious. That's what's going on here. It's just bullshit. It's like they can't get out of what they've been doing. It's like what they've been doing for so long, they are, they are, they're locked into no other way of thinking and they can't escape what they've been doing for decades and they're just dragging Bitcoin along for the ride. But a Twitter video presented by former Fox 26 reporter Ivory Hecker, who is working to expose what she sees as network corruption and bias seems to show an assistant news director at the station explaining the intentional withholding of news coverage about Bitcoin from black audiences. Quote, I have passed on Bitcoin stories, a woman identified in the video as Lee Meir, assistant news director at Fox 26 said, quote, African-American audiences at five 
it's probably not going to play. That's a choice I'm making, an editorial choice, Mir continued after a cut in the video. Despite the statement including little context and appearing cut together and recorded as a video call on a smartphone, it has generated a meaningful conversation about media bias and the general failure to recognize that black people are and should be interested in Bitcoin. This conversation was perpetuated on Twitter by Isaiah Jackson, a founder of Black Bitcoin Billionaires, an advocacy group focused on education and onboarding for Bitcoin in the black community. Quote, retweet this post if you are black and hodl Bitcoin. These people don't think we are out here, Jackson wrote as he shared the clip. Quote, this rhetoric follows a long tradition of figures outside of our community who take the liberty to dictate what we should or should not be exposed to without any input from ourselves, Ian Gaines, operations director at Black Bitcoin Billionaires, told Bitcoin Magazine, quote, every time a voice outside of our culture tries to speak for us without first consulting, they have always been on the wrong side of history. This is just another drop in the proverbial ocean of blind ignorance, end quote. The apparent media bias revealed in the video demonstrated a larger assumption about Bitcoin that black Bitcoin billionaires <clears throat> is attempting to dissolve. The Bitcoin culture is only relevant or interesting to white males. Quote, no one group has a claim to Bitcoin culture. The system is decentralized and accessible to all. And in order for the protocol to truly succeed on a global scale, it must incorporate a global perspective, Gaines added. Quote, we combat by owning our narrative. This example with the editor is why we created Black Bitcoin Billionaire in the first place, end quote. Okay. In the middle of this, they basically demonstrated something that is a tagline on my wife's professional emails. Uh, this is her, not her Gmail. This is her professional email. At the very bottom of every email she sends out from her professional email account, it says, nothing about us without us. And I think that's one of the best taglines I've ever seen. I, I see a, like, you know, people put in like Bible quotes and people say, you know, like, I don't know, something Trump said or something like that. But that one, that one is, is purely married to with this situation. Nothing about us without us. You better freaking consult the stakeholders before you start saying shit. It's easy as pie. You don't, it's, it's not all that difficult to do. It's not all that difficult to think about. But if this is, if this is true to the bone, like if it's taken out of context, it's one thing and, and you should never take anything out of context. However, this just looks bad and it, and it honestly looks exactly like what they've been doing to every group under the sun for years, whether you're a Trump supporter, whether you're, you know, a minority, you know, now Asians are getting kicked around. Jews are getting kicked around because of the Palestinian stuff. It's like, I, I, I wonder sometimes if I'm in Germany, 1937 or, or the United States in 2021. You know, and, and it's all due to propaganda, which is the primary function of all mainstream media today. And it has been that way for decades. We just didn't know it. Case in point, I think it was uh, one, one of the, uh, I can't remember, was it Teddy Roosevelt? I think it was. Not Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, he was in a wheelchair because he got polio as a kid. And he was about to do something that was going to piss off the owner of the largest newspaper in the United States at the time. And that newspaper owner started running uh, photographs on all his newspapers, front pages of this president sitting in his wheelchair instead of leaning up on a podium, making it look like he was able to stand. Because that was the only way that this guy was able to stand up. It made the president of the United States look weak. It was a propaganda piece. Now, the particular president I don't didn't really care for, but that's just the way propaganda works. You select what you're going to show, and you show it. Instead of reporting on the news, you frame it. Instead of yeah, I don't need to go on. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of I'm a little ranty this morning. So let's let's move on. Swiss Bitcoin investment app Relay raises two point seven million dollars. 
Relay is spelled R-E-L-A-I. You've probably seen them on Twitter. Um, there seem to be a pretty good Bitcoin company. Let's get into it. Uh, Peter Chihuahua from Bitcoin Magazine. Relay, a Switzerland-based app designed to make Bitcoin investing simple in Europe, has announced a raise of 2.5 million Swiss francs, which is 2.778 million U.S. dollars in a Series A funding led by Swiss venture capital firm Red Alpine. Quote, the capital injection will be used to build the leading Bitcoin broker in Europe and obtain a financial intermediary license. The new financing round will enable Relay to build a proprietary broker for efficient order processing and provide new offerings for investors who are looking to buy large amounts of Bitcoin, according to the press release shared with Bitcoin Magazine. In addition to Red Alpine, Polytech Ventures, Fulger Ventures, and Ace and Company contributed to the Series A. Fulger Ventures is a good are some good Joes, and I'm really, really glad that they're reaching out across the pond to other countries to do stuff like this. Relay was launched in July 2020, and according to the release, has been downloaded more than 23,000 times and is being actively used by more than 10,000 customers to date. Following this funding and the potential to build its own brokerage capabilities, Relay hopes to give users the ability to transfer Bitcoin directly to wallets of their own choice, which is a critical feature needed for someone to truly, quote, own the Bitcoin that they buy through the platform. Quote, we want to help accelerate the mass adoption of Bitcoin by easing access to its leading currency, Bitcoin. Oh, I messed that up. Oh, well, uh, said Peter Niederhauser, co-founder and partner at Red Alpine per the release, quote, we look forward to being part of the journey and to supporting this exceptional Swiss early stage startup in achieving global success, end quote. So good on you guys, Relay. I've, I've been seeing a lot of tweets out of their uh, out of their Twitter account as of late, and they just keep they keep saying they keep saying the stuff that doesn't piss me off. So until they start shitcoining, I'm I'm gonna be on their side. Hey, let's run numbers. Futures and commodities suggest that flammable liquids are indeed on fire. Well. They have been. They're kind of like, you know, smoldering right now. But West Texas Intermediate is up 0.05%. But, dude, West Texas Intermediate is coming in at $72.20 a barrel. I didn't think we'd see $71 oil for a while yet. So we're already past that. We'll have to see if it holds for the rest of the week. Brent North Sea is purchasable for a mere $74.31 per barrel, but it's down a tenth of a point. Natural gas is down eight-tenths of a point. It's coming in at $3.22 per thousand cubic feet. Um, metals. Shiny metal rocks, guys. Taking a freaking bath today. A bath. Gold down 4%. Back under $1,800 to $1,789.10. Somebody check on Peter Schiff, please. Silver is at 2641. That's after a 5% decline. Platinum with its own 4% decline. Copper has a 2% decline. And palladium, dude, beating them all down 5.67%. $2,067. Oh, no, sorry. $2,676 for palladium. Holy shit. Pretty much all the ag futures are getting pummeled as well. Wheat down a point. Soybeans down almost two points. The corn is down two and a half points. Sugar's down one and a half. Coffee's down over one point. Cotton is down almost a point. Rough rice is the only thing that's seeing any kind of sunshine. 0.2% to the upside. And your favorite a flavor of chocolate is down 1.78%. Lord have mercy. What are we doing in the in indices? Oh, all the indices are up, moving sideways, but up, except for NASDAQ, which is up uh, almost a quarter of a point. Dow is going to be coming in at 0.09% to the upside. Uh, S&P futures up almost a fifth of a point, And the S&P mini is down 0.06%. 
this may have something, all this confusion may have something to do with the fact that the 30-year treasury bonds price increased almost 0.4% and all the rest are either unchanged or down scant. So let's talk about real money. Where are we at? $38,808.91. 241,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours means we're getting 10,000 transactions on average per hour. With 607,000 BTC being sent in that period, we have 25,326 BTC being sent every hour on the hour on average with an average transaction value of 2.52 BTC and the median transaction value low at 0.022 BTC, which is 840 bucks. Block times are high, not terribly though, 10 minutes and 40 seconds. We have 0.25 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, 34 and a quarter BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. And with the 10% drop in hash rate, we are back down to the lowly number of 119 exahashes per second, which is about five times more than we need to secure the network. Just, just saying. Dogecoin, your shitcoin indicator is all the way down to 25 cents. Specifically, it's 25.9 cents, so it's almost, you know, 26. But, man, it makes me glad that I sold at 54, 55 cents. Jesus, what a shit show. 5,109, <clears throat> no, 196 transactions are waiting on three blocks to clear. We have a market capitalization of $727.7 billion, which is 6.23 percent of gold's market cap you can buy 21.6 ounces of shiny metal rock with your one bitcoin of which there are 18,737,054 in circulation now of those we have 1544.1 btc in the lightning network has a capacity value of right at 60 million dollars with 12,086 nodes that we know about and 50,513 open channels that we know about. The percentage of Tor capacity for the Lightning Network has decreased down to 62.0%. That means there's 957 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network, and that's being run over 6,239 Tor nodes that we know about. That's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We've got, uh, we just left talking about Lightning Network. Let's talk more about Lightning Network um, because it's like I do, you know, do the Lightning stats along with running the numbers every single day. So <clears throat> it's hard to notice over time what's going on. And I picked this one from Thomas M out of BTC Times to shed a little light of what we've been talking about together for the last six months or, you know, longer Lightning Network hits record capacity as adoption grows. The Lightning Network's Bitcoin capacity has never been higher than it is today. Over 1,512 Bitcoin are now locked in Lightning channels, 60% more than one year ago. In U.S. dollar terms, that's just shy of $60 million, which, while lower than the record dollar capacity of $76 million earlier this year, it presents an increase of almost 580% since last year, in part due to Bitcoin's considerable price surge over the last 12 months. <clears throat> Similarly, other lightning stats are at all-time highs. The public node count currently stands at more than 12,000 nodes, which is more than twice as much as in June of last year, while the unique public channel count has crossed the 45,000 mark, which is up from 29,000 last year. These numbers reported by Bitcoin visuals don't take into account private channels, which some argue make up a sizable part of the network. <coughs> the growth of Bitcoin's popular layer two solution comes as advocating voices are getting louder around the world, pushing for further adoption of the network. Built on top of Bitcoin, the Lightning Network is a scaling solution that allows users to send and receive funds near instantaneously and at minimal cost by taking transactions off chain. Most of them, anyway. Launched into its beta phase in March of 2018, Lightning is often regarded as Bitcoin's most promising approach to scaling transactions for daily use. 
The Lightning Network ecosystem has seen a wide range of developments since its launch, from auditing tools and channel capacity boosts over liquidity marketplaces and trading solutions to the adoption by online merchants and, although a little sluggishly, exchanges. Yet, arguably, its largest boost to global recognition still lies before the network as it faces the concept of large-scale real-world use by no other than El Salvador, the first nation-state to declare Bitcoin legal tender. Strike, a payments app that utilizes the Lightning Network to facilitate fast day-to-day transactions, launched in the country in March this year and quickly became the most downloaded app. Bitcoin Beach, a nonprofit in El Salvador's El Zante, pioneered the local efforts to adopt Lightning and test its capabilities on a small scale, inspiring the country's president, Nayib Bukele, to move forward with the nationwide rollout. After rapidly signing Bitcoin into law earlier this month, Bukele is currently working with payment app developer Strike to ease the access to Bitcoin payments across the middle American country. The use of Bitcoin overall has increased rapidly in El Salvador over the last year, with small Bitcoin transfers of $1,000 or less jumping from $424,000 to $1.7 million between May of 2020 and 2021, according to a Reuters report. Yet full nationwide adoption has yet to come as El Salvador seeks to establish the necessary infrastructure to support the move, which, according to Bukele, includes improved access to mobile and internet connectivity for its citizens. The Lightning Network, meanwhile, has been seeing steady growth and development, a trend that continues with the recent lock-in of Taproot, an upcoming upgrade to the Bitcoin network that is expected to not only benefit the Bitcoin main chain, but also improve the privacy of Lightning Channel openings and closures, as well as the practicality of the network overall in the uh, process. Okay, so that's, you know, kind of nutshelling what's gone on for the last year is that Lightning Network has grown tremendously. In, in fact, I, I've, I mean, I'm seeing like payments being streamed uh, from, oh God, from uh, people listening to this podcast on the Breeze Wallet, because the Breeze Wallet has a podcasting app inside of it. I'm seeing payments every single day on my node and I'm not, I'm not having any problems. All these people are saying, yeah, but lightning has got all these problems. I, I mean, I rarely get a failed payment, right? I certainly am not getting like, I'm not seeing any problems off of my node, but when I go to something like wallet of Satoshi or, or my blue wallet, you know, which has lightning capabilities or the strike app or any of that, anything that I use where I'm actually sending out, Bitcoin through the via the Lightning Network, it is rare, very rare nowadays that I get a failed payment. Now my blue wallet's actually connected to my Lightning node, so that may have something to do with it. But Wallet of Satoshi isn't, and I've got a couple of you know, and the Strike app certainly isn't. So I don't understand. Well, actually, I do understand they're they're fudding Lightning Network because they want their own shitcoin to actually work. But it's it's a shitcoin. It's just that's just what it is anyway millionaire whales gobble up 90,000 BTC over the past 25 days Samuel Haig has it from Cointelegraph Bitcoin whales are stocking up with millionaire addresses accumulating around 90,000 Bitcoin worth 367 billion dollars over the past 25 days the accumulation was identified by crypto market data aggregator sentiment which identified that wallets holding between 100 and 10,000 BTC are now the largest segment of Bitcoin hodlers and currently account for 48.7% of Bitcoin's total supply. The recent buying spree places the millionaire addresses at a seven-week high for the number of Bitcoin held, with the addresses representing more than 9.1 million BTC, which is down just a couple of percent from their mid-April highs. Miners also appear to be accumulating BTC with on-chain analytics provider Glassnode identifying that weekly Bitcoin outflows from miner addresses have slumped to a five-month low of roughly $1.7 million on June the 16th. Looking at the opposite end of the scale from Wales, Glassnode noted the share of supply represented by addresses holding less than one Bitcoin has doubled since December of 2017 to comprise roughly 5% of Bitcoin's market cap. 
While many whales and miners appear to be huddling their coins in expectation of higher prices, Transaction Monitor Whale Alert has identified two transfers of roughly 5,000 BTC, or $200 million each, destined for Coinbase since June the 14th, suggesting that at least some large investors are looking to trade their Bitcoin. Woe be unto them. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. Scammers mail out fake hardware wallets to the victims of the ledger data breach. Y'all be careful. This is also not on my bingo card. Marie Hulliot for uh, Cointelegraph. The consequences of Ledger's major data breach continue to be felt almost a year later. One contributor to the R Ledger wallet forum on Reddit, writing under the tag JJRAND, or JJ Rand, I guess, and self-identified as one of those affected by the breach, has posted images of what appeared to be a fake Ledger Nano X wallet received in the mail. Wrapped in seemingly authentic packaging, the device nonetheless include, uh, included several telltale signs that sparked the contributor's suspicion. Most jarringly, the package came together with a poorly written letter claiming to be signed by Ledger CEO Pascal Gunther, or Galther, telling its recipient, quote, For security purposes, we have sent you a new device. You must switch to a new device to stay safe. There is a manual inside your new box you can read that to learn how to set up your new device. For this reason, we have changed our device structure. We now guarantee that this kind of breach will never happen again, end quote. Oh my God. That was especially like, I mean, I know that that all sounded bad, but that's literally word for word what's written on the note. We now guarantee that this kind of K-I-N-D-A. We now guarantee that this kind of breach will never happen again. Whoa, that's a professionally written letter from a business professional right there, isn't it? Oh my God, this is horrible. Oh my God. Yeah, it shows the picture of the letter right here. Oh my God. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole letter. That was the last paragraph. Anyway, aside from the letter, J.J. Rand also received a fake manual in closing instructions regarding how to use the device and crucially asking that the user enter their private ledger recovery phrase to connect their cryptocurrency wallet to the new hardware. On the basis of further images showing the device's circuit board uploaded to Reddit, security researcher Mike Grover told Bleeping Computer that the fake device was tampered with, quote, this seems to be a simple flash drive strapped, <laughs> strapped onto the ledger with the purpose to be for some sort of malware delivery all of the components are on the other side, so I can't confirm if it is just a storage device, but judging by the very novice soldering work, it's probably just an off-the-shelf mini flash drive removed from its casing. Grover highlighted a section of the back of the device showing the flash drive implant and noting that those four wires piggyback the same connections for the USB port of the ledger. On the basis of Grover and Bleeping Computer's analysis, it appears that the heist is designed to intercept the user's entered recovery phrase in order to reroute the details to a device controlled by the scammers, which they can use to steal the associated cryptocurrency holdings. In an online post dated May the 10th, but not cited by JJ Rand, Ledger had already warned customers against the fake letter and device stating that, quote, the fake user guide in the Nano's box asks the user to connect the device to a computer. To initialize the device, the user is then asked to enter his 24 words in a fake Ledger Live application. This is a scam. Do not connect the device to your computer and never, ever share your 24 words. Ledger will never, ever ask you to share your 24-word recovery phrase. End quote. While the warning is included as part of Ledger's online list of phishing campaigns of which the company is aware, it is unclear whether the company has reached out to users directly, especially those who leaked details may leave them more susceptible to uh, falling for the ruse. Cointelegraph has reached out to Ledger for comment and will update if they respond. As previously reported, other consequences of the data leak have included Ledger users receiving emails from extortionists threatening physical violence or other criminal attacks. The original data breach is what had occurred in June and July of 2020 
and included over 1 million email addresses from users subscribed to the Ledger newsletter. It is also it, it notably also involved the leak of personal information, including home addresses associated with 272,853 hardware wallet orders. And that's the scariest part of the whole thing is having your home address blown out into the into the wind uh, as a ledger because that's easy to put together. You just go to the house, you fuck them up. And, I mean, that's a that's a five dollar wrench attack. The only thing that guards against a five dollar wrench attack is people not knowing where to go to deploy said five dollar wrench. And when they got your home address, it's kind of hard to do, y'all. So I'm still not ever. I'm never going to be happy with Ledger again because a their device is a piece of shit that they do not and, and they continuously don't support legacy operating systems. So the man in the coma has got no chance, honestly. And second of all, it's just it's a it's a really kind of a, a jicky. I don't know. I found it to be very jicky. It was my first hardware wallet. Now I'm I'm on a different a different setup, so I'm not using Ledger anymore. However, what I will say is maybe Ledger would be good for, you know, something like a multi-sig. God knows I've got three of them because two of them are baked and, and or, or, you know, basically bricked as far as I can tell. So I had to order another one. If I ever get the other two unbricked, and I don't think, I don't know if that's going to be able to happen, um, I, I would be set up for like, you know, a three, you know, a multi-sig. And I can use like, I don't know, I'll probably get another, you know, uh, another cold card and maybe a treasure and go multi-sig. <clears throat> um, it's, you know, I, do I have, if, uh, the question is, do I have enough Bitcoin to actually go through all that? You know, it's like, I don't know. Anyway, moving on, South Korean crypto exchanges banned from handling coins that they issued themselves. <laughs> If you're an exchange and you issued your own coin, you cannot handle your own coin. Okay, I'm I am torn. I'm 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 torn in two on this on the way South Korea is approaching this entire thing. One side of me is like, hands off, bro. But honestly, dude, the, the other side of me is like, you're going after exactly the same shit that every Bitcoiner has been warning as a scam for the last 10 years. Shit coins. I mean, it's like, you know, like an exchange just releases their own coin and makes, you know, billions of dollars on it. I mean, it's all bullshit, right? Just buy Bitcoin. However, the other side is still screaming at me. Hey, hands off, bro. Are you, you know, you going to try to at least have some kind of libertarian principles? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm, I get so con freaking confused. I just, I don't like to see people getting ripped off. And, you know, maybe that's just part of, of maybe that's the, that maybe that's the dark side of trying to be, you know, truly free is that you have to witness people be put into poverty by other people that will sleep just, just fine at night. I don't know. Anyway, so Greg Thompson has more from Cointelegraph. Exchange tokens are tokens, uh, or sorry, hold on. the in increased regulatory scrutiny that befell South Korea's cryptocurrency space in recent times appears to have extended to include exchange tokens. They are the tokens issued by a cryptocurrency exchange that usually offer some benefit to the hodler, either through reduced trading fees, regular token burns, or by other means. According to a report by airing on Thursday, uh, cryptocurrency exchanges are being prohibited from handling any coins or assets issued by themselves. The law also extends to any assets issued by family members, spouses, or distant relatives and is expected to come into effect on June the 26th. Businesses which fail to comply with the new regulations could have their operations suspended and face fines of up to $88,000 U.S. South Korea's Financial Intelligence Unit recently contacted 33 cryptocurrency trading platforms uh, to inform them of an upcoming field consultation no later than September the 24th. In the week or so since, one Korean exchange upbit delisted a handful of shitcoins and issued strident investment warnings on 25 other assets, representing 14% of all the coins listed on the exchange uh, or exchanges. Moving forward, upbit no longer accepts inbound deposits for the 25 coins mentioned in the warning and has said it will further review the assets to decide whether or not to delist them completely. The deadline for final decision on the tokens is Friday, June the 18th. So that's tomorrow. South Korea's attempts to tighten its grip 
on the cryptocurrency industry within its borders has seen regulators demand information security management system certificates from crypto trading platforms, essentially acting as a license to operate. Of 20 exchanges with the certificate, 11 have already either delisted tokens or issued warnings similar to upbits. Given that many exchange tokens don't operate on a proprietary blockchain, the legal definition of what it means to, quote, handle tokens issued by an exchange may be stretched in the coming days and weeks as South Korea's coin cleanup continues. Again, of all the, the regulatory stuff that I've seen, I got to hand it to South Korea because they're actually going after the obvious bullshit. And they're just not really pay. They're not even trying to pay lip service to, to any of these people. So I got to hand it to them there. But again, do I really want this level of regulation around the world? Then, and the, the sheer answer is guys, I don't know. I mean, again, this is like, if it really is the, if the dark side of freedom is to watch other people get hosed down and, and live, you know, have all their wealth taken away from them, you know, God, but I don't want to live in a repressive regime. These are the, 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 everything comes, well, clearly everything comes with trade-offs and maybe that's because our brains are bifurcated. We have a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere. You know, we have large logic and we have artistic. We have debauchery on one side and what you, you know, morality on the other side. Maybe our entire, you know, our, maybe the human condition, because it has those two lobes of the brain, that everything that we create is going to have those two fundamental things and they have to be in balance. I don't know, man. You tell me. If you want to, you can bitch at me at, B E N N D seven, seven on Twitter. That's at B E N N D seven, seven on Twitter. Let's read this one. Uh, Watam to build Kazakhstan mining farm in conjunction with Energix. <clears throat> the facility is to have a capacity of get this 16 megawatts. That's pr pretty large, man. Anyway, Anna Betakova is writing it for Coindesk. Watam a United States-based mining company signed a deal for a farm in Kazakhstan run by Energix, the companies announced on Thursday. Why did I emphasize U.S.-based? Because Kazakhstan is going to be a popular destination for Chinese miners, and this ain't one of them. This is a U.S.-based one. The two companies will build a mining facility with the capacity to provide 16 megawatts of energy for mining machines and committed to invest $2 million in the enterprise Construction is expected to start in July. Wadham and Energix are also in talks of building, overbuilding a 50-megawatt farm at a cost of closer to $8 million. The move might be signaling that the industry is paying closer attention to the Asian nation, which has been actively developing its Bitcoin mining market for the past several years. Miners have been actively seeking new venues since the Chinese government started shooting themselves in the foot on mining in some regions earlier this year, and Kazakhstan has been one of those spots of interest. Energix CEO and co-founder Yur Boslin Serznov told Coindesk, Energix works as a so-called mining hotel, meaning that it provides space, energy, and maintenance services for miners looking for locations for their machines, it already has 180 megawatt capacity plant in the country that is fully contracted and should be filled with clients ASICs until the end of this year. Quote, last year we had applications for 20 megawatts. This year applications for hundreds of megawatts came in in a matter of weeks. Can you guess who that shit came in from? Some Chinese miners have already booked their spots in Kazakhstan. In May, Bitmining committed to invest $933 million in building a 100-megawatt center together with an unidentified local partner. Wadham currently has farms in upstate New York and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Kazakhstan is attractive because it's close to China, which makes it easier to deliver ASICs from manufacturers based there, CEO and founder Azerni Grusha told Coindesk. Another plus? Kazakhstan allows miners to import equipment with a zero tax, and mining itself is officially taxed in Kazakhstan, meaning it's a legitimate and government-approved business. Moreover, quote, there is a lot of spare electricity in Kazakhstan, Grusha said. Most, however, is not green, he said. 
there is a heavy reliance on coal-based electricity. Oh, yeah, baby. Give me the coal. Give me more coal. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Your daily train wreck brought to you by the scammers who are arriving in El Salvador, and I mean by the buttload. I'm looking at a picture right here, man. This was uh, Melina Mayorga. Uh, she is the El Salvadoran uh, attache to the, uh, she's the basically the ambassador of El Salvador to the United States. And uh, she's saying, they're here, they're here. And it shows a picture of, I don't know, probably about 20 people. And this is the quote unquote, the Bitcoin delegation. There's not a single face in this picture that I can identify save one, Brock Pierce. I don't recognize a single swinging dick in this picture. Uh, I, I am not lying, man. I've been in Bitcoin since 2015. I went through the block size wars. That was, that was my first, that was when, you know, I first got, you know, diesel dumped on me and lit on fire and had to burn for a year. I've never seen any of these people. Not a single one of the people that are in this picture can I identify easily. Hell, I'm, ha I'm having to rely on Dan Darkpill to figure out who these people are because apparently they're Bitcoiners. And then, of course, Brock Pierce, this short-ass bitch right here, that dude is not a Bitcoiner. If you don't know who Brock Pierce is, yet another boy or child actor from the 80s or whatever, Mighty Ducks, he started EOS, which is a 100% scam. They took in $4 billion of worth of Bitcoin to start their scam chain. And they got a mere slap on the wrist from the SEC who actually found them guilty of securities fraud because they basically violated the Howey Act. And, and they got a slap on the wrist. It resulted in less than 1%. It was like, a, it was like I can't remember how much it was, it was, but it was less than 1% of the $4 billion that they took in. And at that point, dude, that's not only the cost of doing business, that's like a bribe. I mean, cost of doing business should be like at least 10% or something like that. They should have taken at least, you know, $40 billion away from them or 40, I'm sorry, four, would that be what, 400 million, something like that. I mean, they should have at least come after a good amount of their cash, at least a billion dollars, let's say 25%. That's cost of doing business. Less than 1%, that's a bribe to a border guard at the United States-Mexico border crossing. Come on, man. Dude, it's freaking ridiculous. So, having to calm down here because we got to do the joke, okay? This is <clears throat> from me with help from poor Ben Gunn. That's P-O-O-R-B-E-N-G-U-N-N. -N. Don't ask for mint tea with no mint. That's demented. Even if you ask to have it taken out, it's still absolutely menthol. <laughs> Little two-parter for you there. Um, let's see, where are we at? Yeah, we're almost at an hour. If you want to help with the show, you know what to do. Listen to it on the Breeze Wallet and stream me some Satoshis because the funnest part of my day is checking my lightning node and just watching watching three sats, four sats, five sats come in like every minute. I don't know why. I, it's like I can't. It's like I, I'm never going to get used to that. It's always going to be something that I just watch and watch and watch because I'm like, this is amazing. I'm not dependent on anybody to take this money. And you're not dependent upon anybody to give it to me if you so choose. And I do hope you so choose. I still don't know what the hell's going on with, with Apple iTunes. I, I sent them a message. I haven't heard anything back. So um, I'll, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I talked about it a little bit yesterday. Uh, I, my RSS feed, which is provided to me by SoundCloud, because that's where I host all the audio files. Uh, iTunes is not propagating or is not, is not getting episodes propagated to it since last Friday. So I, I'm honestly 
honestly, it's pissing me off because it's kind of hurting my numbers. It's hurting my numbers a little bit more than I thought. I, I will do what I can, but I can't, I, I, I'm dealing with Apple. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about like, you know, a fly next to the whole Apple tree. And I don't know how much effect I'm going to have. I may have to actually build a brand new iTunes um, account just for it, which means that I lose all my Apple metrics, but it is what it is. So anyway, hey guys, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.